The uh, scripture for today uh, comes from James 1. I'll be reading from the NIV. So James 1, verses 19 through 27. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed with what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Good morning. Better memory, better faith, renewed focus. You know, it was recently, I believe, one of us quoted Henry Ford when he said, if you always do what you've always done, you will always get what you've always got. And in some ways, this is actually a, a bit of a summary of the story of the people of God. If you always do the things that fail, you're, you're probably going to keep failing. If you do the things that bring joy and peace and, and love to other people, uh, you'll probably be blessed and, and it will continue to produce the same kind of a result. Throughout the Bible, God tells his people to remember his words and commandments. And it, and it was already stated this morning, over and over again that is repeated because it works um, and because it's simply the pattern of the way we are as human beings. And we have a difficult time keeping focus on the right things. And so we're going to look at that this morning. But I want to tell a story. Billy Graham was a, a lawbreaker. Now you don't think of Billy Graham as being a lawbreaker, do you? He was driving through a small southern town. He was stopped by the policeman and he was charged with speeding. Graham admitted to his guilt. The judge asked, guilty or not guilty? Uh, because he, did, he was told he would have to go and appear in court. And when he did, the, the judge asked him that. He said, that'll be $10, a dollar for every mile you went over the speed limit. And then suddenly the judge recognized the famous minister. This, of course, never happens to me because I'm not a famous minister. And in all of the speeding tickets that I've gotten, it never got me anything. I, I'm sorry, that's just an editorial comment to this story. The judge went on to say, you have violated the law. 
the fine must be paid, but I'm going to pay it for you, he said. He took a $10 bill from his own wallet, he attached it to the ticket, and then, and then took Graham out and bought him a steak dinner. That, said Billy Graham, is how God treats repentant sinners. Now, I don't know if he would have felt the same if he didn't get the steak dinner and only got the 10 bucks. I'm not sure. But it is an interesting story about the fact that God wants what's best for his people. He always has. He had a plan for, for how that would go. And that plan didn't really go so well. But this experience of Graham provides us an opportunity to reflect on this constant tension between God and his people. And I know, and I've heard comments here and there, you know, when we get caught up focusing on the Old Testament for a long time or in studies of the Old Testament, we tend to go, you know, this is really old stuff. And I would want to push back on that. I, I, I could say, honestly, I would have some, would have had at one point some of the same reaction to say, you know, this is, this is the Old Testament, right? It's not relevant to today. And the more we've had this study the last couple of quarters where we're looking at the, the whole idea of the children of Israel going into to exile in Babylon and, and the role of the prophets like Ezra and Nehemiah and, and the role of, of the people of God seeking restoration that whole process seems never more appropriate than for today. How do we keep in line with what God intended for the purpose of his people? Because God just didn't say, well, I'm a little bored. I think I'll send them to exile. That's not how God operates. The response of sending people and allowing people to have the result of their brokenness and their sin choices is, is really a, a consequence that we chose in the way that we went about listening to God or ignoring God. In any case, I was struck with the story and I hope that uh, you give me grace in this one, but... I think there's a truth here because I don't very often quote Johnny Cash in sermons. He wrote a song called I Walk the Line. Now, Cash was 23 years old at the time and he wrote the song after he went on tour with Elvis Presley, who was 20 years old and who had already amassed a fan base of adoring fans. I Walked the Line served as a reminder to Cash to stay faithful to his wife while on tour with Presley. The reports were that he wrote it in about 20 minutes before going on stage for one of the concerts. Here are the words. I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. I, I, I really would love to sing this. It's going to be very difficult. Rich, would you be willing to come up? 
<laughs> because uh, your 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 voice is a a Johnny Cash voice. I'm telling you. I keep my eyes wide open all the time. I keep the ends out for the tie that binds. Now that one I had to explain to my wife yesterday. I said, have you ever heard of this? And she said, no. When that, that line of, I keep the ends out for the tie that binds, is there anybody here that knows what that refers to? It refers to some sort of a, uh, of a, of a knot, whether that's a dress knot with a, I don't even know, yeah, I'm, I'm terrible with women's clothing. I don't know what you call those scarves or whatever they are that tie around your neck kind of thing. Oh, come on, you know. I didn't go to that. I, that was not one of the classes offered in college. In any case, the, the, the line refers to the fact that if you don't tie the knot tight enough, your ends will be too close to the knot and it will become unraveled. And so the longer or the more clearly you keep the ends out means that you have pulled the knot tighter and more secure. I keep the ends out for the tie that binds. Because you're mine, I walk the line. Goes on. As sure as night is dark and day is light, I keep you on my mind both day and night. And happiness I've known proves that it's right. Because you're mine, I walk the line. You've got a way to keep me on your side. You give me cause for love that I can't hide. For you, I know I've even tried to, I'd even try and turn the tide. Because you're mine, I walk the line. I find it very, very easy to be true. I find myself alone when each day is through. Yes, I'll admit that I'm a fool for you. Because you're mine, I walk the line. I wonder if this would be the kind of line that we could sing to God. Because you're mine, and because of what you've done for me, and because of what you mean to me, and because of the significance of your love transforming my life, I would be willing and am willing and I will commit to walking in the way that you have called me to walk. That is the message of these stories of the Old Testament, of the brokenness that's there. Let's look at Deuteronomy 8 and give a little bit of preface to this. Deuteronomy 8 talks about being careful in, in verse, uh, the beginning of it, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord has promised an oath on oath to your forefathers. In other words, there is that clear call to be careful to walk the line, to be careful to pay attention to the things, the commands, and the ways that God has given. Matthew Henry says in his commentary on Deuteronomy 8, it is very good for us to remember all the ways both of God's providence and grace by which he has led us 
through his wilder, this wilderness, that we may be prevailed with cheerfully, uh, um, with which, that we may be prevailed with cheerfully to serve him and trust in him. Here, let us set up our Ebenezer. God thereby proved them whether they would trust his promises, the word which he commanded to a thousand, a thousand generations, in dependence on his promises and obey his precepts. They must remember the supplies which were always granted them. Now, when you think about this, in the story of the 40 years in the wilderness coming out of uh, another exile in Egypt, think about how God provided for them. And they were complaining about their conditions and their situation, but at every single turn, they were provided for. Food, shelter, a pillar of fire by night, and, and a cloud by day. They were, they were led, they were... They had everything that they needed provided for, not necessarily everything that they wanted. He goes on to say, let none of God's children distrust their father nor take any sinful indirect course for the supply of their own necessities. Some way or other, God will provide for them in the way of duty and honest diligence and verily they shall be fed all of the old testament rhythm of falling away from god and coming back to god has to do with this call of the prophets to remember you know there was a practice that kings had and we see this a number of times in scripture where kings would refer back to the the written diaries, I'm going to call them a diary. They were actually written historical uh, writings that they had their people doing to record all of the things. Now, for most kings, that was a matter of recording all the great things they had done. So, um, and, and, and as you know, that's, of course, why we have uh, support staff here at the church is to make sure and record every good thing that Doug does, um, and every every we no we don't do that. You know that we don't do that. But that's what kings did. They had everything recorded, so it was both it was a uh, a re recording of history, so that it was an understanding of what had actually happened and a, and a recounting of that. I remember after my mother passed away, we got out some of her old diaries. And she, for decades, had every single day put in a little, a little line about what happened that day. It, it was just wild to go back and just read through that and to read some of her impression about what was going on in that. So what kings would do when they would get depressed or bored or perhaps not know what to do in their current situation, they would have their scribal people, their historians come out and bring out the old logbooks and read to them. And we have an example of that uh, in, in, the, uh, in some of the people that, uh, of God who found grace with kings because they read back and realized 
that they had been blessed by this person, that this person had represented God so well that they actually were a blessing to the king and had provided support. And then the king would, would, would take note of that and turn around and offer blessings. Interesting that kings would go back and read the record and make an adjustment. And that's what actually happened with the story of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. The reading of history to go back and recount the things that were done well, the things that were done out of faithfulness to God. And so uh, that is one of the other aspects of all of this remembering is, is when Jesus talks about do this in remembrance of me. In a few weeks on Easter Sunday, we will take communion again. And we will say, this do in remembrance of me, which is what Jesus taught his disciples. Because if you remember what God has done and you remember who God is and how committed God is to provide in the past and how, what he's done in the past, it makes a difference on our choices today. We pray it does. Now, we're not perfect, and we do tend to fall. But that's the learning. So, I know you've seen the book, and I can't come up with the title exactly, but everything I need to know I learned in kindergarten. Is that the right title? Yeah. I want to say today, to make it very, very clear, everything I ever needed to know I learned in driver's ed. Um, even how to back a car through a cemetery without hitting uh, things or, or backing into the river. There was always one corner that uh, Mr. Dan Boddicker would take us around. And if you missed that corner, you were going into the river. And I think he only one time had to slam on his brakes because somebody was headed in that direction. Uh, but you learn in driver's ed some of the basics. Uh, and, and again, there are elements that we're called to remember. There are elements that we're called to take seriously. Now, I want to, uh, first of all, go through Deuteronomy 8. And I'm going to do a very quick reading uh, with a few comments because I'm going to compare that with a passage from the passage from James that Doug read. And I want you to listen to the same type of things. And I want you to listen with the ear because I know most of you went through driver's ed. Some of you maybe went through driver's ed, in driver's education uh, with your parent on the farm or on a back road somewhere with them coaching you. But most of the coaching is the same. And we'll get into the the specific instructions in a bit. But let's just very quickly go through Deuteronomy 8. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to red letter these lines. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land of the Lord. The Lord promised an oath to your ancestors. Remember, he says in verse 2, how the Lord your God led you all the way. So there you have this record of looking back and saying, look, what am I not getting? God's led me all the way. 
We sang the, the song last week, The Goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. When we look back and say, how did we make it here today? Because God has been faithful in leading us through. It wasn't without challenges. It wasn't without brokenness. It wasn't without pain. But God led us through. Uh, all the way in the wilderness, these 40 years, to humble and test you in order that, uh, to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Again, you have this teaching, this instruction. In verse 5, know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplines you. Verse 6, observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. And then jump down to verse 11. Be careful that you do not forget your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. So this issue of remembering and forgetting is critical. And... Um, and I know that, that there would be times in driver's ed that we would be asked a question. What did we just go past? Were you observative enough to know what that business was? Or what color was the car that's following you or the color of the car that just went by you? How observative are you of what's going on around you? Um, and we know that if we don't observe a stop sign, we're at great risk. Uh, we'll talk more about that. Don't forget is what God is saying to us in this passage. And Moses is instructing his people not to forget. In James, jump ahead to James chapter 1. And again, I'm just going to highlight these words that, that Doug read. In verse 19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What does that make you think of today? Road rage. People that are out of control. People that get out of their cars and do violence even. Uh, sometimes even killing somebody else and wasting the rest of their life in jail simply because they didn't like being cut off or somebody moved in front of them, or they didn't like the way that car looked. I don't know. I mean, it's crazy. And that ability to lose patience, to be quick to speak and not listen. Uh, verse 21, to get rid of all moral filth and the evil. To accept humbly, it says, humbly accept the word planted in you. And then in verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Is there any plainer statement in all of scripture? Do what it says. In other words, you want to drive safe? Follow the laws and speed limits and rules of the road. 
uh, in verse 25. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, that is another way of, let me contrast, who looks intently not at their cell phone in what text just came in, but look into the perfect law of God, keeping a tight rein on their tongues, to look after orphans and widows, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Listen to these two, from James to Deuteronomy or the other way around. Is there any difference? Isn't it the same calling of God? And so we're challenged. We're challenged to pay attention. We're challenged to stop talking. We're challenged to stay calm and stay in control. We're challenged to clean up our lives and simplify life, to accept God's work. Let me just tell you, it's not really a good idea to pass a police officer on the road. I would just tell you that right now. If you want a piece of wisdom, that's probably one that you should pay attention to. Um, to accept uh, God's work, to do what it says and be obedient, to control your tongue and stay in your lane, not just physically in your lane, mentally, emotionally, stay in your spiritual lane. I want to tell you that, do you know that the Bible refers to a GPS? Did you know this? I'm the first to tell you the Bible has a direct reference to a GPS. Let me read it to you from Scripture. John 14, 25 and 26. All this I have spoken while still with you, Jesus says. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That is our guide. That is our direction in life. Not just a direction to a location, but how we get there and in what manner we get there and in how we are called to live and how we're called to speak to others, how we're called to deal with our own emotions in the middle of being angry or frustrated or hurt. And, and it's not that those things are invalid, they're real, but we manage them, we manage them according to one central global system, universal system, one system that bridges earth and heaven. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit being our guide and our director. So if we want to, to, to live our faith like we've learned our driver's ed, if we want to live 
like God calls us to. We will pay attention. We will use our turn signals, watch for hazards. If we want to journey through life in the years we're given and be effective and be productive in making a difference in the lives of others, there must be a foundation built only in a relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, and empowered by the one who is our spiritual GPS, the Holy Spirit. So, to summarize, there must be one authority in our life. And unlike many of the philosophical uh, arguments that we hear around us today, there's really only one that works. Is there's really there must be one authority, and and that that authority is is in God. Deuteronomy eight three verse three says means that God tested the Israelites so that they would learn that life is dependent entirely on God and not other things like bread. In other words, it's not the things, it's who we put in authority in our lives. There must be a clear guide. We need directions and we need a destination. I'm not saying you can't drive through the countryside for a, a just a relaxing tour for a drive. But even then, you know where you're eventually headed to go back to and, and to follow the statutes of God. But the biggest, and then there must be accommodations. And those accommodations, God said he would provide for. I think I mentioned this somewhere recently, but when, when I worked with Outspoken on our bike trips, about 30% of the nights... So we had a group of 25 bikers and it was only about 30% of the nights did we know where we were going to stay that night when we took off riding in the morning. And God always provided for that. Um, so um, the uh, the biggest threat that we have as a people of God isn't so much the hazards along the way, but the commitment to stay focused on the one true authority. There must be lines and signs and information. There must be a guide that we embrace for our driving through this life. And if we can embrace that, if we can do it for driving a vehicle, then we should learn that lesson for our faith in walking spiritually. But we have to identify the things that also take us off course. The distractions, the attractions, the discontent we have, the fears we have, and pay attention to getting bad directions. I am struck by the fact that there are a lot of people that are journeying through life getting really, really bad directions from unfortunately, sometimes even from leaders. And I believe that the Bible gives us a wonderful example, especially in the council of the disciples, where they were able to share with each other and accept the authority of Jesus' voice and do the discernment that was needed 
and listen to his voice for the appropriate direction. I would encourage you to go back and read the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18, 9 to 14, where it says to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. If you ever get comfortable with your own righteousness, you're probably making a really wrong turn on the road of life. The point is, it's so easy to consider ourselves godly men and women. But what we really should be considering, are we pursuing the righteousness that God wants for us? And are looking at the sources of that information. Are we reading the signs? Uh, because uh, you can't always tell, and we need to verify that. Uh, in um, there's a verse in the Bible that refers to the gospel of righteousness, and it says the righteous will live by faith. Let me just say this. God never alters the robe of righteousness to fit us. He changes us to fit the robe of righteousness. And so are we willing to be changed? Are we willing to receive counsel? Are we willing to follow their signs? And especially when we've taken this wrong turn over and over again and it really doesn't work are we willing to go back and say okay God now I'm ready and that's what the children of Israel did it's what the disciples did it's what our brother Peter did in his boldness and his failures but to come back again and again and again and say okay God take me now on this journey and let me follow the voice and the leading of your Holy Spirit. If we do that, I truly believe that there will be a transformation. And I would encourage you to read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. And to read this over and over again until it impacts your journey. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone, that's us, who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, Deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through the faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good 
work. That is spiritual driver's ed. May we follow it. May we find great joy in it. And may we be effective in accomplishing God's mission.